Yeah, it's a good average. Amen. <laughs> All right, so praise the Lord. Uh, this morning, like I said, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 3, so we want to uh, get you to turn in your Bible over there. Isaiah chapter number 3. We'll go ahead and get started in the Word this morning. Say a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We ask this morning, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you would put an anointing, Lord, upon the word this morning that would bring life, Lord, would stir our souls, O oh God. Lord, we ask this morning for your spirit to do a work in our church, in this congregation of people gathered here today. Lord, I ask for the anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing so that we can hear and receive everything that the Spirit of God is speaking today. And Lord, we ask it in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everybody says, Amen, amen. In Isaiah chapter 3, we're getting into the Word this morning, and one of the things that you see in, in Isaiah is God's heart for a, a nation to turn back to Him. The, the nation in the book of Isaiah had gotten into a place of complacency. I don't know if about you, but I've seen that in the church world today. As you begin to read the Word of God in, in the book of Isaiah, you see a lot of parallels with where the church is today. At, in fact, you know, at one point in the book of Isaiah in chapter 1, they were worshiping God through sacrifices. They were worshiping God on new moons. They were going about business as usual, but their hearts were really far away from God. And God was not satisfied. How many of you know that God's not satisfied with anything you bring if your heart isn't brought with it? Can I get a witness? I don't care if you put a million dollars in the offering at a church. God's not moved if your heart's not in it. I don't care if you put a dollar in there. I don't care if you come to church. If your heart's not in it, God's not moved by it. God's not pleased by it until it becomes from a place that is the seat of our hearts. In, in the book of Isaiah, God was dealing with this in the, in the nation of Israel. He was, he was really dealing with them about their complacency and how they had gotten into a routine. How many of you know routine is just a couple of letters away from rut? Yeah, routine is just a couple of letters away from rut. I mean, we need the, the inspiration and the energizing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, or we're going to get into a routine and the, and the nation of Israel got into a routine in, in this book of Isaiah, and that's really where the heart of it comes from, is to get us out of our rut, to get us out of our routine so that we can be changed by the transformational power and presence of God. How many of you know, you can stand and preach and teach and holler and hoop, but until someone has an encounter with the living God, nothing's going to change. Amen. I mean, it's like talking to mannequins at the, at the department store. Until a person has an encounter with God, nothing's going to change. And God's desire is to change folks. Because he loves us. How many of you know we struggle? We got issues. And believe it or not, we actually open the doorway for the enemy to rule over our lives. 
So many ways that in the church world even, but there's so many ways that people open those avenues. We used to call it giving a foothold to the devil. Just opening that door for the enemy to, to begin to rule over our lives. Amen. It doesn't matter how much theology you know. If you start playing around with the devil, you start, get, you start playing around with the enemy, he's going to run roughshod over your life. Many theologians and many preachers have fallen prey to the devil. Amen. Because you begin to open that door. You begin to open access to the enemy. He does not play. How many of you know that we have an enemy? The Bible says we have an adversary, the enemy. He walks about as a what? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's who the enemy does. So you have an enemy for your soul. You have an adversary for your soul. Amen. But you also have an advocate in Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that we do have an adversary, but we also have an advocate. And, you know, we can focus on the adversary all day long, but God wants you to turn to the advocate who is Jesus. Jesus will set you free. Amen. But you need to know there is an adversary for your soul. And that adversary wants you to stay dry. He wants you to stay without a shout. He doesn't want you to have a hallelujah down in your soul. He sure doesn't want you to lift your hands and get happy in Jesus. And he sure doesn't want to let you go so that you're free in the Lord. Amen. He wants you to stay in chains. He wants you to stay in bondage. He wants you to stay without the joy of the Lord, without the presence of God, and without the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But I've got an advocate with the Father. Amen. I've got an advocate with the Father. I have an enemy, but I have a friend in Jesus. Amen. And I promise you, my friend is greater than my enemy. I might have a lot of enemies, but I got an awesome friend in Jesus. He's an awesome advocate. Amen. And you know, God's desire is to do something in you. He doesn't desire to just have you hang out to dry like a piece of beef jerky. God's desire is to keep you alive is to give you life. Amen. But in the church world today, as you look out in the church world, a lot of the church world is complacent. A lot of the church world is without the power of God, without the fire of God, without the truth of God, without the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're left to routines and ruts. Without the power of God in the church, we're leaning on the power of men. And I want to tell you, the power of men falls into programs, it falls into regiments, it falls into people. But God wants to set us free of that this morning. Amen? In Isaiah chapter 3, the nation had gone awry. I want to read verse 12, Isaiah 3 verse 12. He said, as for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. How many of you know that a a children really can't oppress you? Can a child really oppress you? The, The word oppress means to enslave, to put in bondage. The, the word oppressed means to rule over you. Even though I, I, we got three children. They're not going to rule over us. Right? But, but the Lord here is talking in, in, in a, it, he's using a euphemism 
to show you what it means for the children of God to be ruled over by lesser things. By lesser things. A weaker thing to rule over. He said, children are your oppressors. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I've been in a battle, that battle seems like a Goliath. Every time I've been in a situation, I mean, I feel like David and that thing looks like a Goliath to me. But the Lord here is telling the nation of Israel, those things that are oppressing you, those things that are ruling over you, that's children. In other words, you're letting something insignificant be a Goliath. You're letting something that is so small, so weak, so little, humble you. Why? Because you've lost covenant with God. You've lost the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You no longer are a consecrated people unto God. And when you walk out of that consecration, when you walk out of that covenant with God, you walk out of covering You're no longer covered under the umbrella of God's protection. And so many people today, they know about God in theory. They know about God through through books. They know about God through the learning of men, but they don't know God intimately. They don't know God on the inside. They don't have the power of God flowing from the inside out. And what happens is they're relegated to be oppressed by children in God's eyes. That's humbling. And, and not only that, look what it says. It says that women rule over them. That's, you know, uh, you know not politically convenient to, to talk like that today. But women were never designed to be rulers. Even in a marriage, the man is supposed to be the head of the home. The, God designed men to be leaders, to set the pace. You know, you, you, you see this in the Word of God. God has established this principle, but God is showing them because of your negligence. How many of you know what it means to be negligent? It means you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I've seen that happen in, in, in families where, you know, someone has a, a child in the backseat of the car and they're negligent. They forget to take the child out. And they go to work. It's a negligent homicide. The sad reality. But you see, negligence can happen spiritually. And when we're negligent spiritually, what happens is children will begin to oppress you. That means lesser things will rule over you. And not only that, but he also says that women will rule over you. Meaning... Those which were never designed to lead will lead you. And what happens is at the end of this verse, it says they they will lead thee. They will cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy path. In other words, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be destruction. There's going to be consequences as you continue to allow these things to rule over you, to oppress you. As you continue to allow people to lead you who shouldn't be leading you, you will be destroyed. Until God's people come to a place to where we say, you know what, this is not how it's supposed to be. We're going to continue to be destroyed. We have compromise in our pulpits. We have compromise in our churches. And I was telling Brother Raymond, we, they used to talk about sipping saints, and now they have, you know, sipping preachers. 
We, we were, you know, but the reality is there's a lot of compromise in the church world. And God's not going to be mocked. God's not going to bless compromise. You see in the word of God right here how these things have consequences. I'm reminded of a story. They said uh, um, this woman, uh, uh, you know, years back, they had trains. Yet if you weren't going to go somewhere, you had to ride a train. This woman had a baby with her and she was waiting to go to where her husband was. It was a snowstorm. She's riding the train. She said, I don't want to miss my spot. I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. I don't want to miss my spot. She kept telling the the attendant, don't let me miss my stop because when the train stops, that's where I'm supposed to get off at. I'm supposed to get off so I can get with my husband. When the train stops, let me know. And there's a snowstorm. You can't hardly see. Well, through the middle of the night, the train stops. The attendant is not there. And one of the passengers wakes the lady up and said, hey, the train stopped. It's time for you to get off. She gets off, but what she didn't know is the train had stopped to do some repairs. It was in the middle of nowhere in the snow. Because she listened to the wrong voice, she got off. 45 minutes later, the train stops at the appointed place. The husband's there, but the wife don't get off. And they start looking for her, and then they figure out what happened. And she was dead. See, the reality is, is when you listen to the wrong voices, consequences are extremely dangerous in the natural. But in the spiritual, they can be detrimental, devastating. You see, whenever we listen to the wrong voices in the spiritual things, it can produce devastating results. And if we've seen anything in the church world today, it's that people that are listening to the wrong voices are getting off on the wrong exits. People are listening to the wrong voices. You know, today you can find a church that will support anything. Anything that the Bible calls sin, I'm being honest, anything that the Bible calls sin, you can find a church to support it. You're either going to lean on what God says in the word or you're going to make your own way up. And just like that woman who blindly got off because some passenger told her, here's your exit. You can't listen to every voice. You can't listen to every voice. I'm telling you, there's one truth. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus is the final authority. The Word of God has to be the supreme ruler over our lives or we're going to be led astray. It doesn't matter what I say and it doesn't matter what you say. If the Word of God doesn't endorse it, if the Word of God doesn't sanction it, if the Word of God doesn't provide light for it, we ought not be going that direction. But if God has endorsed it and God has authorized it, we better walk in it and not be negligent in the Holy Holy Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we should do what God has called us to do. Amen? People today are not walking in freedom because they don't have the freedom that comes from God. This word here is a very powerful word. These weak leaders... These weak leaders are leading the church, and what I would say is they're man-pleasers. If you're a man-pleaser, you love applause. Amen? You tell everybody, everybody here is going to get a million dollars. Everybody's going to clap. <laughs> it's a man-pleasing word. But a, a, you know something that pleases God is different. 
Some people love popularity and some people love uh, to prosper. But compromise, compromise is what this really is, compromise. And if we listen to compromise leaders, we're going to be destroyed. We're going to be destroyed. Uh, let me show you something in the book of John. Turn with me to John chapter number 8. This word that I want you to hear, though, is oppress. Many people today are destroyed through spiritual negligence. Bad leaders, listen to this, bad leaders hide the way of life from the oppressed. They don't want them to go on the straight and narrow path. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Now the word oppress, as I told you earlier, it means to have a taskmaster or to have someone ruling over you. It can also mean demoralizing pressure. How many of you have ever had demoralizing pressure applied to you? <laughs> That's not fun at all. I mean, you feel like you have no choice but to do that which you know is wrong. That's demoralizing pressure. That means you're being oppressed by the enemy. And God told the nation of Israel, he said, you've got children oppressing you. You've got children bringing demoralizing pressure into you. You know, I never had the, really the courage to do what was right until I got the Holy Spirit. God gave the Holy Spirit to the church for a reason. It's so that we could be his witness in a lost world. If you, don't, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have the courage to be and do and say what God has called you to be and do and say. When you look at, at Peter's life before Pentecost, Peter knew the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but yet still, Peter was going fishing. He didn't want anything to do with the message of bringing the gospel to the lost. It wasn't until he waited and tarried in the upper room and got filled with the Holy Spirit that Peter became the first preacher to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and he gave his life for the cause of the cross. He was crucified upside down because the conviction was so strong in him. Man can't make you do that. You can say, well, don't you think you ought to go ahead and do that? See, man can't light that fire. Man can't, can't fan that flame. This is a fire that comes from God. This is something that comes down from above. This is the message of Pentecost on the church. And the church, you can, you can apply pressure, you can say what you need to say, but until the church gets the Holy Spirit in it and on it, until the church gets that baptism of the Holy Spirit, it will never be, do, or say what God has called it to be, do, and say. Jesus said here in John 8, verse 31 and 32, he said, then, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. How many of you know that's the goal? Is the goal to believe? Is the goal to believe? How many of you know that most preachers at this point, they would say, well, hallelujah, I got five more notches in the belt. Or 50 more notches in the belt. But Jesus wasn't satisfied with Mental ascent. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, 
If, how many of you know that's a key word? It's a conditional word. If you clean your room, I'll let you eat tonight. Guess you better clean your room. If. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You're not a disciple until you're a continuer. God's not, a, a, God's not called you to have this one-time thing. God has called you into a continual abiding. When you stop abiding, you stop living. When you stop abiding, you stop growing. God said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be free. We live in America. We live in the most free nation currently. We live in America today, and we're so thankful that we live in a nation that we are free. Amen? We have many people in here that have served the nation, and I know I love to, the, the, the story of America. We love freedom. And I don't know anybody that doesn't love this next verse, but I wanted to show you that previous verse. A lot of people want freedom, but they don't want to continue in the Word of God. They don't want to continue in what God has said. You know what? You can pick and choose what you want out of the Bible. There's ten commandments. You can pick one and disobey nine of them. Do you think you're going to be blessed? There's ten commandments. You can pick five and disobey five. Do you think you'll be blessed? There's ten commandments. You can obey nine and disobey one. Do you think you'll be blessed? No. In fact, James tells us if you've broken one commandment, it's the same as breaking all of them. God's heart's broken when His children disobey. It's like a, a, a window. You throw a rock through the window. It doesn't matter if it's a big rock or little rock. The window's broke. That's how the law of God is. You can tell one little lie or you can rob a bank. You've still broken God's heart and you're still on the way to hell. So the reality is, if you continue in his word, then are you my disciples indeed. Verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. See, freedom, freedom is relational. Freedom is relational. It's not transactional. It's relational. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. What happens when you stop knowing the truth? You're no longer in freedom. You turn away and reject the truth of God's word. You're not going to have freedom in your life, but children will begin to oppress you. Lesser things will begin to rule over you when you're not walking in the truth. When you're not following through in the word of God, the small. How many of you know that sometimes we go through battles and on the other side of the battle? How many of you have ever gone through a situation? You come through it and you look back at it and you say, why did I let that bother me so much? Why did I let that thing bother me so much? If I would have just done what I knew was right, if I would have just walked the way God told me to walk, if I would have done what God told me to do, but I let that little thing rule over me. You, hey, we always, make fun of the, we always make fun of the nation of Israel whenever Moses sent the 12 spies into the land, and 10 of them said, oh, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. But two of them said, hey, we've got the promise of God. 
We've got the promise of God. God said that that's our land. If we'll just walk in it, God will give us that land. But the whole nation believed the lie. The whole nation believed the lie. And they were ruled over in the desert. I, I know a lot of people today that don't walk in freedom. Their pride rules over them. How many of you know that Jesus, Jesus has provided enough freedom so that you're no longer bound by your pride? But there's a lot of people that if you look at them the wrong way, if you don't answer them the right way, you know, people call me, uh, do, I, do I have to call you Pastor Fox? Do I have to call you Pastor Reverend, Mr.? It don't matter to me. You can call me Joe Blow for all I care. I'm not that way. You know, I don't want my pride to rule over me. They call Jesus every name in the book, so I don't care. I can be called every name in the book. I'm not higher than my Lord. Amen? But the reality is a lot of people have little things that will begin to rule over them. Well, nobody's going to talk to me like that. Nobody's, nobody's going to treat me like that. Well, how did they treat Jesus? You really want to get all pompous and pious and, and, and get all starchy on us? When, when Jesus came and, and was humbled, when Jesus came and was obedient to the cross, he allowed people to spit on him, mock him, pull out his beard, place a crown of thorns on him. When, when, when you see what the Lord allowed because he was redeeming us, but yeah, oh no, no, nobody's going to treat me like that. That means you're being ruled over by something lesser. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You can't get around that. If you want to sit there and tell me there's something that you can't stop doing, it's because you're not walking in the Spirit. That's Bible. That's not psychology. That's not theology. That's not, you know, physiology. That's not Christian science. It's Scripture. You want to tell me there's something that you can't stop doing, I'm going to tell you, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh according to and in the authority of the Word of God. Doesn't matter what it is. I can't, I, I, can't, I can't quit pornography. Walk in the Spirit. I can't quit drinking. Walk in the Spirit. I can't stop lying. Walk in the Spirit. I can't stop this. I can't stop that. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not mumbo jumbo. It's not, it's not, you know, something theoretical. It is Scripture. It is the Word of God. It is the reality of who God is. And I want to tell you and can testify to you today that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you continue in His Word and know that truth, you'll walk in freedom. You will walk in freedom. But you have to continue in the Word and you have to know the truth. How many of you know that the devil doesn't want you to know the truth? The devil wants to lie to you and wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to continue to oppress you. How many of you are tired of the devil oppressing you? Amen. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning, but he oppresses us because we're not walking in the Word of God, because we're not walking and operating in the truth of God, because we're not walking in the Spirit. That's why the flesh rules over many people's lives today. 
Now, David had a battle like that. I want to show you this in, in Psalm 43. Let me show you this in Psalm 43. David had a battle like this. And like I said, you know, sometimes we go through situations and after we get out of the situation, we realize, why was I so scared of that? Why was I so bothered by that? Why did that seem so big? That's because the devil's a liar. That's because the devil's a liar. Amen. So many times we, we think about the worst. I know people that they, sometimes they have anxiety. They stay up late and they think about all kinds of scenarios. If I do this, what's going to happen to that? And if we do this, what's going to happen then? And if I do that, this is going to happen. And they lay awake and they think of all these different scenarios. And before you know it, they're frozen in fear. And they're depressed. And they're in darkness. And they don't have the light that God wants them to walk in. Because they're allowing lesser things to rule over them. Lesser things. Psalm 43, it's a short book, short chapter. Psalm 43, the key word here is negligence. If you're negligent spiritually, you're going to be oppressed. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you are today negligent spiritually, you will be oppressed by the devil. You don't get a, a, a get-out-of-oppression card. If you're spiritually negligent, you're going to have the enemy ruling over you. But today, Jesus has brought freedom to you. This word is because God desires you to walk in freedom. God doesn't want you to walk in oppression anymore. God doesn't want you to be in bondage anymore. He doesn't want you to be ruled over by women. He doesn't want children to be your oppressors. God has sent the truth to you so that you can have freedom today. But if you are spiritually negligent, you'll continue to be oppressed till the day you die. That's the truth. And I know many people today that are spiritually negligent and they are oppressed to this very day. But God gives you the decision. God gives you the opportunity. And today, God's giving you the word. I want you to see how this progression happened in David's life. David went through so many battles. I love David because he's battle-scarred. He was a warrior for God. And, and, and David allowed his struggles to be visible so that we can learn from those. The, the, the Lord highlights those things to us. But I want to show you this, this struggle that he sees and then the answer. He comes to the answer in this, in this psalm. And I believe God will show this to you. He said in verse 1, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. You could use that as Satan, right? O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? I want to stop right there. When you're being oppressed, you feel like God has cast you off. You feel like an outcast when you're being oppressed. Many times have you ever prayed and you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? That's because the devil's oppressing you. Anytime the devil begins to oppress you, he makes you feel like a cast off. But Jesus came to bring you in. Amen. Jesus came to bring you in. 
And so the, the reality that you see here in David's life is he felt like a cast off because the enemy was oppressing him. And so many people sitting on pews all across our nation today feel like a cast off from God. And the reality is, is because they're being oppressed by demons. They're being oppressed by the devil. They're being oppressed by the enemy. So here's David's answer, verses 3, 4, and 5. How many of you have ever felt like that, though? How many of you have ever felt like a cast-off because of oppression? Amen. The devil makes you feel like that. David felt like that. Don't be all, you know, don't be more holier than David, right? Oh, I've never felt like that. I've never had that struggle. I've never been like that. This is King David, right? The lineage of Jesus. He said he felt like a cast-off because he was oppressed. Verse 3, though, here's the thing. He said, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. I want to stop right there for a second. How many of you know that Jesus is the light of the world? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, so the psalmist David here is saying, let your light and your truth lead me. In other words, this is a, this is a before the cross, before Jesus of Nazareth is incarnated, this is the Holy Ghost speaking through David saying, let Jesus guide you. Let Jesus be the one that guides you. Amen? Let your, your truth and that light guide my steps. Because you know what? If I'm left to my own wisdom, if I'm left to my own understanding, I'm going to get off the train in the middle of the winter where nobody's at. If I listen to the wrong voice, if I'm spiritually negligent, I'm going to cause myself to die. But if I let the light of God and the truth of God guide my steps, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to get where God wants me to go. I'm going to be who God wants me to be, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. But I've got to, I've got to have that truth and that light lead my steps. And notice the progression that David uses. He says, first, let them lead me to your holy hill, then to the tabernacle, and then verse 4, then I will go to the altar of God unto God. My exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. The progression that David uses, the Jerusalem was set upon a hill. It was on seven hills, actually. But Jerusalem is up. It's an upward, it's an upward ascent to the city of God. And he said, let your truth, let your light lead me to your city. And then, once I'm in that city, Lord, let it lead me to your tabernacle. Let it lead me to where you are. Then, I'm not stopping at the church, right? So how many, you, got, you won half the battle. You got to the tabernacle of God. You got to the church today. But he said, I'm going past attendance. I'm going to the altar. Amen. It was like, lead me to the city of God, lead me to the house of God, lead me to the altar of God. And once, listen, here's the thing, though. Once I get to the altar, here's the transaction. The altar is there to lead me to God Almighty. 
I'm not just going to the altar and then turning around and going back the same way. I'm going to the altar and I'm going to stay there until I meet with God and God meets with me. Once I meet with God and God meets with me, I'm going to get up in a different way than I got down. I'm, I tell people, don't you get up until God comes down. He said, I'm going to the city of God, to the house of God, to the altar of God, and I'm going to God himself. And I tell you what, if there's something that the church world needs today, it's an encounter with the living God. We've had enough of systematic theology. What we need is real. We need a real transforming work of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to come when you get a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ and believe who he is and what he did. And tarry at that altar until God changes you. What we need in the church today is we need people that have had a life transformed by the power of God. Amen. It's time to get be done with story time at the Apollo. It's time to be done with jokes in the pulpit. It's time for coffee and tea time to be done. What we need is God of very God. We need the truth of God. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. People today are not free because they won't go to the city of God. They won't go to the house of God. They won't go to the altar of God, and they won't tarry until God comes down. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if any person, whosoever will, let him come, will tarry before the altar of God, believe on what Jesus did on that cross, God will come down. God will come down. That's who my God is. He is a life-changing God. He takes, the, he takes that old and He makes all things new. He takes those, those that are in bondage and He sets them free. Amen? Who else? Who else can take those that are in bondage and set them free but God? David here, he hit it. He said, I, I, I need to go. I need your truth and I need your light to take me to your city, to your house, to your altar, and to you. Don't miss this progression. Don't miss this progression. Religion can't get you this. Religion can't get you this. Theories cannot get you that. Jesus said, if you're his disciple, when you continue in that word, if you ever are negligent of that word, you will not have the freedom that God has for you. If you're negligent of that altar, if you're negligent of the presence of God, if you're negligent of being in the house of God, if you're negligent of the city of God, you will not have the freedom that God has for you. You will remain oppressed. You will remain depressed. You will remain in darkness and in chains and in bondage until you humble yourself and get to the city of God, the house of God, the altar of God, and the presence of God. And it was there that David began to worship. It was there that David began to worship. That's when he picked up that harp again. I want, I want you to see, he, he's there. At the beginning of it, he's feeling all cast off. He's oppressed. He's praying and the prayers are hitting the ceiling. He doesn't feel the power and love of God anymore. He doesn't have the joy of the Lord anymore. He doesn't have that excitement that comes from God anymore. He just feels cast off, uh, uh, far off from God. 
And I submit to you, if you've ever been close to God and you're not close to God today, the devil's deceiving you. The devil's deceiving you because God don't change. You might say, oh, man, back, back in the 90s, we had it. Back in the 2010s, we had it. You know, I used to know, I used to be on fire for God. Well, God hasn't changed. Who changed? My God's a consuming fire. If God's ever done it, he still does it. Oh, man, we used to have a time in the Lord. We, we used to pray until morning time. And, man, we would pray all night long, and the power of God would fall down upon us. And, I mean, we would lay hands on the sick. They would recover. We would see people operating in the freedom of the Lord. Who changed? You see, the, the word of God here that David said, he said, let your truth and your light guide me. You know, I'm most of the time... I've got my own plans and agenda. I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. But David, once he realized he was being oppressed, he said, you know what, Lord? My agenda to the side. Let your truth and let your light guide me. Take me where I need to go. Take me as deep as I need to go. Show me the truth I need to know. And, Lord, it's your presence that I truly need. You know, God's open for business. God's open for business. I've never met one person that the power of God couldn't change. I've never seen one sinner that God couldn't cleanse. I've never seen one demon that God couldn't make leave. I've never seen one person oppressed that God couldn't make free. You know why? Because the truth of the Word of God. Because God will set every captive free that comes to him. David here, at the end of this, in, lastly in verse 5, he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. You see, sometimes we, we look at it and, and we wonder, why are we cast down? Because there's, there is a place where I can go. Why am I cast down when there's an altar that I can go lay on? Why am I cast down when there's the presence of God that I can truly receive? Why am I cast down? Why am I hopeless? Why am I depressed? Why do I feel like all hope is gone? Why do I feel like if so-and-so wins the election, we're gone? If so-and-so wins the election, we're gone. If this bill passes, we're gone. Hold up. Who is your God? Because my God is greater than my government. My God is greater than my nation. Amen. The flag of the Lamb of God is going to fly higher than the flag of the United States. I'm telling you that. This nation, this nation and every nation will bow down before Jesus. He will rule every nation. And that day is coming soon. But I want to tell you that this day God's, God is calling. You know, one of the things that I'm reminded of, he says here, he said, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Disquieted. What does that mean to be disquieted? 
You ever get in a place where you, your emotions are just running like 99,000 miles an hour? It's amazing how God can not only fill someone with the fire of the Holy Ghost, but also put them at perfect peace. You know, he says in the book of Isaiah that, that those whose mind is stayed upon him, he keeps them in perfect peace. The, the reason why so many people today, they don't have the peace of God is because their mind is not stayed on God. We, we, we subject our mind to the world. We put our mind in the gutter. We let the TV and the news fill our mind with hopeless hatred. We let, the, we let all of the filth of the world begin to subject into our mind and then we wonder why we're hopeless we wonder why we cast aspersions on everyone we wonder why we don't have any peace or joy on the inside when God's word who is the truth says if you keep your mind on him he'll keep you in perfect peace this morning I want to tell you God wants to set all the the captives free today if you've been oppressed by any bondage I want you to know there's a progression that you need to take. You got to get, we'll bring it into New Testament theology, but you've got to get to the cross and you've got to submit yourself at the feet of God. But you do like David, get to the city of God, get to the house of God, get to the altar of God and don't get up until very God comes down, until the presence of God comes down upon you. But I want you to know today that if, if you want to be set free, God will set you free. Amen. He's a, he's a chain-breaking God this morning. Amen. I want to say uh, this morning, if you're here today and God is ministering to you in, throughout the Word of God, if you're here today, I want, I want to just pray for you right where you're at. If you would be willing to just lift your hand up, I want to pray for you right where you're at. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. 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 Father, we thank you, Lord, for every hand lifted today. Lord, we're lifting our hand to you. Lord, it's your word that we hear. It's your spirit, God, that we're listening to today. And Lord, we lift our hands to you. And Father, we pray that you would set the captive free. Lord, we thank you that you've made a way at that altar. Lord, we thank you that today we have an opportunity to come boldly before you and obtain grace and mercy for our time of need. Lord, we thank you that it's your blood that gives us access. And Lord, I pray that not one of your children today would walk out of this church oppressed by the devil anymore. Lord, I pray for freedom over each and every child of God today. I want to give you guys an opportunity to come to these altars. Those of you that have not been born again, I want to tell you that you'll never experience the freedom of God until you've been born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not go to heaven. And if you're a child of God today and you're not walking in the power of God, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think this message was for you. To tell you God's got power for you, but the devil's got oppression for you. And God's giving you an opportunity. God's giving you a choice which direction you want to go in. This morning as we 
Open up these altars. I want to tell you, if you want to pray, you come to these altars. And if you need help praying, if you want me to pray with you, I'll meet you at the front. Lord, we bless you today. We thank you, Lord, for these altars. We thank you that you made the way for us. And Lord, we ask that you would cleanse, set free, and empower each soul that comes in Jesus' name.